Welcome to Fresh Bread from Candy's Kitchen. Today we're going to serve up some good crusty French bread with, let's say, good butter and some of Julie Koppel's homemade blackberry jam that she gave to me for my birthday. It's going to be a good loaf of bread, so stay with me. We're going to deal today with eternal life. Who inherits eternal life? How do I get there for that eternal life? This life is so short, even if we live to be 104, that's a short amount of time compared to eternity. I want to live with the Lord eternally. So how do I get there? Well, we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke chapter 10, where a certain lawyer comes to Jesus. Now, a lawyer then would have been different than maybe the lawyer that we would have today. He would have been a doctor, uh, lawyer of Jewish law, the law of Moses, the rabbinical law. So it's someone that had studied uh, the law very carefully and would have had answers about what they think different things mean. So this certain lawyer comes to Jesus and he tempts him. And when you first look at that word tempt, you think he's just a little smart aleck that is trying to get at Jesus because a lot of the Pharisees and things like that, they would do that. But I'm not sure that's the case. In the Greek, the word tempted could have been a good thing or it could have been a bad thing. Or it simply could have meant that he wanted a sincere answer, and so he was coming to Jesus. Maybe he, maybe he had respect for Jesus. And so we're going to take it that way. We're not going to make him a smart aleck. We're just going to make him coming to Jesus to ask him the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Actually, I'm glad he asked that question because now I can learn from it. So Jesus, doing what he does often when he's given a question, He threw the question right back at him, and I'm thinking he did this because of his occupation, but he says to this certain lawyer, well, what's written in the law? How how do you read it? Because that's what that lawyer would have done. And the lawyer says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus answered, Bravo. Excellent. 100%. You got all the points. You have said right. He says, this do and you shall live. Now, what's that living talking about? That living is about inheriting eternal life. So loving the Lord and loving your neighbors yourself are prerequisites to inheriting uh, eternal life. There's other uh, New Testament scriptures that show the importance of these these same commands. Uh, they these references would quote these same two things, and then Mark it, there's a little thing added at the end that says there's none other commandment greater than these. And then in the book of Matthew chapter 22, it says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you can. Uh, just take all kinds of commandments and put them together. And there's nothing greater than loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. And if you do those, all those other commandments, all the law and the prophets, they all come into, uh, into focus. So 
he gives a good answer. Jesus gives him uh, the bravo, the pat on the back. And then the lawyer goes a little farther. And the Bible says he's wanting to justify himself. Now, that could have been many things. We don't know. Uh, it could have simply been he, he, wanted, he wanted to make himself look good to Jesus. I, I, I don't know. But he, he's wanting to justify himself. And so he says to Jesus who is my neighbor. So you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. So then who is my neighbor? But he doesn't really realize what he's getting himself into by asking Jesus that question. To the Jewish person, the neighbor would have been a fellow Jewish person, someone in the Jewish community, a, a fellow Israelite. Uh, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 is where we see that command to love your neighbor. But the verse starts out, don't, don't avenge, don't bear grudges against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. In other words, I'm the Lord. I'm the one that's telling you, don't, don't avenge, don't hold grudges, but love your neighbor as yourself. So you can see why... The word neighbor to the Jewish person, by looking at the Old Testament, uh, would have said, it's, it's my fellow Jews. So he doesn't realize what he's getting himself into by asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because Jesus is getting ready to kind of blow his mind a little bit. Kind of blow his mind from what? He has always studied in the law. So Jesus is getting ready to expand. Now remember, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law, but Jesus came to make the law and put it in our hearts. Jesus expanded on that law. So in this particular case, Jesus then begins to tell a story. Now, it's been argued that this is a parable and then other people argue, no, it's not a parable, but it's just a story. In my mind, I wondered if this was a story in which this young lawyer had participated. Jesus never says that. He never calls him out. So this is just me thinking this, but I'm thinking, but maybe just maybe Jesus knowing all things knew of this, maybe this particular thing in this young man's life. We don't know. But Jesus begins to tell a story. And he talks about a road that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, from what I've read, that road was approximately 17 to 18 miles. And it literally went down. It was very rocky. Uh, It went down about 3,600 feet in that mile. So, you know, you're going down at quite a pace. It was dry there like the desert. And it was, it was a road for commerce. But uh, to be safe, you would find people traveling in caravans. They would be with other people. Because there were many bandits that would hide and take advantage of those people that were by themselves. Because remember, it's rocky. There would be places where they could hide out. Uh, Here's Jesse James in the New Testament. (laughs) Not really, but... So in this story, there's a man, evidently, who's going from Jerusalem to Jericho by himself. He's not in a caravan, and he is accosted by robbers, by bandits, by evil people. 
And these robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. He's, they wounded him and they left him and left him half dead. So there, here's this man that he probably is naked. He has wounds and he's half dead. Now that half dead says to me that very possibly they left him unconscious. So we have this awful story. Here's a man, he's left half dead. But here comes someone. Here comes a certain priest. And when the certain priest saw him, he passed on the other side. Now I know this story is very familiar to us, but please stay with me. Then there came a Levite who came and looked on him. So I'm thinking he got a little bit closer, but then he passed by on the other side. I have to tell you, and uh, forgive me for this, but at least I'm being honest, I always felt very judgmental towards these two men. How can a man of God, especially the priest, walk away from someone who is wounded and injured? How can you do that? And so I, I always just really felt bad about these guys. But one day when I was studying uh, for a class on the woman with the issue of blood, I began to study uncleanness according to the Old Testament law. And one thing that I discovered was in the book of Numbers that a person would become unclean and they would be unfit for worship or going to the tabernacle if they touched a dead body. And actually, Numbers chapter 19 is very interesting if you want to take and read it all. But if you touched a dead body, and people would have touched dead bodies. I mean, at some point, somebody has to touch the body that has died and, and, and prepare it for burial. But if you touched the dead body of any, of any person, you would be unclean for seven days. You would purify yourself on the third day, and then the seventh day, you would be clean again. Numbers chapter 19, verse 16 says, And whosoever touches one that is slain with a sword in the open fields, or a dead body, or a bone of a man, or a grave, shall be unclean seven days. So when I, when I discovered these scriptures, and I put it in context with this particular story, I thought, okay. See, you were judgmental and you shouldn't have been until you really studied. Because here we have a priest, a certain priest, who must have been working in, um, in the temple at that particular time. So think about this now. Priest, as in the case of Zacharias, uh, the father of John the Baptist, He's serving in the temple. And if you, if you do a little bit of study, there were so many priests that they didn't serve every day all day. They would get chosen for like a week's amount of time. And I'm not even sure how often that would have been. Maybe it was just one week out of their life. So we have a, one that's called here in the story a certain priest. So this priest may have been doing his priestly duty maybe the first time in his priestly life. And it's only for a week. So for him, you got to think, 
Am I willing to endanger being able to serve in the temple to help this guy? Because if I go over there and I touch this guy and he's dead, and that half dead thing makes me think he's unconscious. He's like, I can't get too close to him because my job is so important. Now, that's just, we're going to leave that right there for now. Then the next guy that comes by is a Levite. And a Levite, not all Levites were priests. Priests were uh, the relatives of Aaron. So, but there were other Levites, and those Levites were the assistants to the priests. So they would do many things in the temple tabernacle themselves. And so again, we had this Levite. He come, it looks like he comes a little closer to this man that has been wounded and left half dead. But he, my, in my mind, he's thinking he may, he may be dead. I can't touch him. I, I have a job to do. And so he leaves him. Now, the sad thing about the priest and the Levite walking away is this. The man was not dead. They could have touched him. They could have bound up his wounds. They could have taken him to get help because the man was not dead, which makes me in my mind, I remember thinking this several years ago, be careful who you judge as dead. You say, well, what are you talking about, Candy Barkus? I'll tell you what I'm telling How many times do we see somebody and we think, they're not maybe worthy of my help. They're, they are so far gone. They are, they, they are in drugs so bad or they have done this or they've done that. That's so awful. There's no sense taking my time and trying to help that person. But I learned from this story that this man was not dead. We have got to be careful how we judge. Scripture tells us to judge righteous judgment. No one is beyond help until they are actually dead. So let's go back to our story. The Samaritan now is the third person that comes on the scene. And when the Samaritan comes on the scene, he has compassion on this man. He goes to him, he binds up his wounds, he pours in oil and wine, he sets him on his own beast, which means he's walking now and he's got this Jewish man on his beast because he has compassion. He, he brings him to an inn, he takes care of him, and then he has to leave for some reason and he leaves him with the innkeeper to take care of and he gives him two pence, gives him money, and he promises that I will get back to you. And if there's any other expense, I will take care of it. Wow. Now you got to remember the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. So Jesus is talking to this Jewish lawyer, lawyer who's wanting to know about eternal life. And Jesus is, he's blowing his mind because now the good guy in the story is somebody that the Jews would have hated. Jews hated Samaritans, Samaritans hated Jews. And it's a long story, and we can't get into it in this short podcast. So after telling this story about the certain priest and the Levite and the Samaritan and what they all did, Jesus looks at the young lawyer. I'm assuming he's young. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's an old lawyer. But Jesus looks at the lawyer, 
And he says, now, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? Now, remember, this lawyer is thinking in his mind that the neighbors would be Jewish people. But Jesus has just presented a scenario where the Samaritan has been the neighbor. So the lawyer looks at Jesus and he's honest with him. I got, you got to love this guy. He looks at Jesus and he says, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus says, right, go and do likewise. Go, in other words, and be like that Samaritan. Watch, have compassion, give of yourself. So now my brain is in major, major gear here. I'm like, my brain's going every which way because I want eternal life. And we remember that the story starts with the question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? We all get that we have to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, strength, mind. But we have to get into our head that loving our neighbor as ourself is also a prerequisite to eternal life. I was reminded of another place where Jesus is uh, <clears throat> in the end of time talking about uh, people that go into eternal life and people that go into eternal damnation. It's in Matthew chapter 25. And Jesus is, is saying there, um, I want you, he says, let me, let me read it for you. Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he says, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. And they said, Lord, I, I don't ever recall this particular story. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Having compassion and loving our neighbors is all important. But we have to remember that Jesus makes a very important point, And that is our neighbor is not necessarily those closest to us or those related to us but it's those that we see that have a need. In our churches, we have many different ways to love our neighbors. We have a card ministry. Different churches have card ministries. My husband went to visit a lady the other day, and on her table was a whole stack of cards from people at church that had written to her telling her that you're not forgotten. We love you. We're praying for you. There's, there's food ministries. There's, there's ways to give to make, maybe you can make brownies. I'm a terrible cook. That's probably not my ministry. But, but it's a ministry to bake, to cook, to send to somebody that's in need. I remember one time, now this would not have been my neighbor. It would have been my daughter. She was sick. And, I, and I, I called and I said, Brittany, you want me to bring, uh, make you a pot of homemade chicken noodle soup? And she says, no, Mom, Chris Grayson already did that. I was like, well, how about that? Somebody else that wasn't even her mother had taken it upon herself. 
That's ministry, showing compassion. There's nursing home ministries. I don't say this to make some sane out of my husband, but I saw something yesterday that got my heart. We, after our nursing home ministry, went to visit this lady that we visit every week. She, she can't get out of bed. She has MS really bad. She can't walk. That's her prayer to walk. And she listens through the door to our service. And so we, we've gone in to visit her, and she, she was very discouraged. She was depressed. And I, I saw my husband, who needs knee replacement, get down on his knee yesterday so he could talk close to her. That's compassion, folks. Anybody can do it. It doesn't take somebody special. What about a call to somebody? You heard about such and such, and you just want to call and give encouragement. What about a hug? That doesn't take much. A letter. Maybe you're a letter writer. Maybe it's a ride home in the car. (laughs) I hate to say this, but in all transparency, there were many times that we would take home people. My dad... And my husband, I guess I married my dad. And it would be the middle of winter, and I would be grudgingly in the back seat while we're taking this person home, and we have to roll down the window because they stunk so bad. But you know what? That's called loving your neighbor. Now, I know I have to get an attitude adjustment. Please forgive me. How about a Bible college student, if you're near that? Some, they need lunch or maybe a few bucks. A word of encouragement to someone. A word fitly spoken, Scripture says, is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. What about, can you sew? Sew for somebody that doesn't have anything. Find somebody that's grieving, that isn't in your normal little clique or your little group. And just send them a card, give them a hug. Give them a prayer. Do something for somebody that can't pay you back. Sister Urshan, my pastor's wife as I was growing up, loved the underdog in the church. She took time with everybody. She had hugs for everybody. It didn't matter who you were, what your name was, where you came from. She had hugs and she'd kiss your cheek and make you feel like you were somebody. But she sang a song and I actually tried to look it up, tried to find her singing the song um, somewhere on YouTube and I couldn't find it. But The song impacted me as a young person. And the song said, My living shall not be in vain. My living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I walk along, then my living shall not be in vain. My living won't be in vain, and it will help me to get eternal life. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor could be someone near and dear to me. My neighbor could be someone that I really don't know real well, but I see them in need. Lord, help my heart, help the hearts of all of us to show compassion. You showed compassion. I want to show compassion. Open my eyes to see where I can be an encouragement and a help. I want to be like the Good Samaritan. So, who is my neighbor? 
I ask you to take your journal out today and just write down some things that you can do. Maybe write down some people that you can help in some way and then follow through with it. And if you'll do that, you will be on your way to eternal life. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.